Welcome to another episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 250. Is that right, John? Is that right, Ronald? Are That's you there? Right. Yeah. Are you there, guys? Yeah. Okay, you're there. Yeah, we're in deep, man. <clears throat> wow, 250. Yeah. It's also coincidental that this is day 250 of quarantine in the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> yeah. That's it accurate. Like That's it. accurate. Yep. That's exactly the number of days we've been in this, it feels like, right? Yeah. You guys doing I hope okay? everybody's holding up okay. Yeah, I mean, given the circumstances, uh, yeah, I think I think I'm pretty good. I haven't r- completely run out of food. I'm ordering through shipped. I have some food coming tomorrow. Um, I ordered more than usual, um, but yeah, <laughs> it's 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 interesting. It's been very interesting. How have you guys been holding up? Not bad. Yeah, I kind of got to say the same. I mean, we've been doing pretty well. Like. I have I have ventured out a few times, like when we've needed groceries, uh, you know, responsibly with my mask and with my, you know, antibacterial, uh, my hand my hand uh, sanitizer, mm. and uh, yeah, you know, like when we needed a couple of things, uh, you kind of like trying to stockpile what we need and minimize those trips. But um, yeah, I think overall, like we're still kind of hanging in there, doing pretty well, like don't really feel that bad like in terms of like i mean obviously i miss going out i miss like seeing all of our friends and people that like we normally see weekly but it's just like you know in every everything in context it's like at least our experience like this in in this in this whole thing like i said last episode is i feel pretty good that you know we are handling it uh, as well as we can it seems and uh since the last time we recorded I mean, everything's pretty much, it feels similar. It hasn't gotten any worse or better for us, so I think that's a good thing. Um, Because if it was any better, I'd be a little concerned uh, either way, really. But, I don't know, just like, you know, trying to stay busy at the house, doing things around the house, being more productive around the house than I've been in a long time. Painting rooms, building shelves, doing all the shit that I was supposed to do last month or last year, and finally getting that done. So that's good. Mm. Uh, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> overall overall pretty good. Gotcha, cool man. Yeah, what's been interesting for me is kind of what you said, Steve. Is that I I count myself fortunate to have the situation that I have, in that my wife is able to work from home. Our son is now he's back in a sort of structured school. They actually started this week having more like check-ins with the teacher at different times in the day. And there's a little bit of remote distance learning and they're figuring out what that means. And I think they still haven't quite figured out how to make it a truly inclusive experience. But um, as far as making it more structured, there's a little bit more get up and sit down at the computer and see what your teacher said kind of stuff going on. So it's like that that lack of routine is turning into a little bit of a routine. Right. We're going to talk about this in a minute, how we're coping with this weird change uh, to our lives. But um, I've been shifting gears sort of, I'll have days where I'm like, okay, don't sit down at the computer too much. Try to be around the house and do things that need to be done. And then there's other days where I completely get sucked into work that I'm doing that I, I don't feel like I would have spent this much time on had I not had this kind of <laughs> stretch and squash of, of, of what an hour means or what a day means. But right. um, no, it's, it's, I definitely feel like I'm one of the lucky ones given some of the stories I've heard. And I also would say, you know, without any smugness that I, I've been saying every day, like, what are we doing that's working in terms of not having been exposed or minimizing our exposure or maybe having gotten it and, and beat it without realizing it or whatever. Like there are, there are so many questions I have about, yeah, about this thing, this, this, and I guess until we're all able to get tested, we won't know what the heck is going on. Um, but there's so many ways I count myself as, as fortunate uh, in this, in this situation, I, you know, 
yeah, as I'm yeah. sure you guys would mirror. I mean, you guys are both at home with your with your unit, yes. and you guys you're able to hunker down, and there's some there's some strength in that, and there's definitely some um, comfort in that. Absolutely, man. Um, I think what it's proven through all this stuff is just how strong our love is, and I'm pretty sure you you guys have kind of experienced something similar. Where I th- I thought that being in this situation, we'd argue a lot, and we almost have never argued in this this whole month and some of it is just us kind of being like hey we're gonna be here for a while (laughs) let's just get along i love you so much you know i want you to be healthy and i'm trying to do as much as i can to be of service to the person i love so it's been it's been really interesting well now that we've bared our hearts and souls (laughs) should we tell people our names oh yeah (laughs) i'm ron i'm john (laughs) And I'm Steve. <laughs> we may have peppered them in there throughout that conversation. So people who are good at determining the difference between two white voices and um, context clues <laughs> will be able to pick out who Steve was, who John was, who Ron was. Um, but I guess we should get into a little bit uh, of what this episode is going to be. Sure. Uh, we all saw, is that correct, a movie that comes out today, the day that this podcast hits people's ears. We did. That's correct. Yep. And, and and when we say a movie is coming out, we mean something a little different maybe than we might have meant in the past. And I think that's going to be worth talking about, too, even though we have discussed already this new model of releasing things at home. But uh, Trolls World Tour is sort of our movie uh, subject of the week. And then we're going to get into just a back and forth about how we've been handling this, uh, like what we've been doing to entertain ourselves right, right. during these times. So. So uh, does, it, does anybody want to open up the floor? I would say, has the guy who saw Trolls World Tour but didn't see Trolls, was it called Face the Music, Stop the Music, Can't Stop the Music? Well, did it have a subtitle? Just Trolls. It was just Trolls. Okay, for some reason I thought it had like, Can't Stop the... the you know, <laughs> that, that, was the that was the single. Um, that was the single from the movie. <laughs> was it really? It was. Yeah. That was a Justin Timberlake song that was like a big hit. <laughs> okay, see. It was nominated for an Oscar, John. So school me on Trolls, but before we get into the discussion of what Trolls World Tour is as a movie and as a, you know, a, I guess a weird, a weird uh, fate for a movie. Go ahead, Steve. I, I know you have some statistical data that I, I cannot, I cannot fa- uh, <laughs> statistical come up with. Data? Uh, you, you're so, yeah, you have, you're so good at it, man. <laughs> I, I mean, he's just asking what the movie's about, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 how well did it do? I, because I, I know Trolls to be, um, when it came out in 2016, as kind of a sleeper hit. Like, I, I know that uh, it was sort of a buzz around it towards the end of its run in the right. theater. And then once it right. came home, it hit like gangbusters. People were talking about it like crazy because it was a little, it was something a little uh, non traditional in the format because. A lot of those movies like Pixar have soundtracks and this right. kind of fed off of the pop culture that we already knew, made right. medleys that uh, we weren't familiar with hearing two songs that you're like, okay, these are mashed up. I've never heard these two mashed up and done in a way that I thought was done pretty well. And it it was a cool movie. I saw it in a right. theater and really had a great experience. So. Yeah, it was. It was. It was kind of like um, it's kind of one of those home runs of like a, a new IP that, you know, there was a toy, you know, that was around a few decades ago, and you know, this thing was like the toy of the moment, and it only takes you know fifteen, twenty years later, or whatever it is, for a movie to come out uh, based on these little collectible dolls with you know 
a small plastic body and and hair as high as the sky. But basically, this the first movie was a big hit. I mean, this is a movie that came out and I think worldwide made like three hundred and fifty million dollars, something Yikes. around something around that ballpark. I mean, it was a pretty high budget film to begin with, but worldwide, that's a really good return. Um, and and it's a, and it spawns a franchise like. You know, there's a there's a like a troll special that came out either on Netflix or on some other streaming platform, like a holiday thing in between these two movies. But you know, these are these are it's it's a franchise, and if this film, it's weird because if this film had come out in theaters, the time it was coming out, you know, you you look at this and you're like, this is a surefire hit in terms of programming and what's available for families and kids, you know, on Easter weekend, and you know, it's just it's crazy to think about today, you know, what this movie would be doing at the box office if it had come out. But you know, this is the world we're in now, and it's a little bit different. So to see the sequel, it's like. How do they build off of the first film? The, the first film really just works off of the idea that, you know, trolls in general are just these happy-go-lucky little, you know, species that live in the woods and that are kind of, they're like hunted, I guess, by these these uh, larger troll-like things, uh, like literal trolls, like the stereotypical-looking troll that you would think of, um, called Bergens, that like basically prey on this on these poor little happy trolls. And, you know, it basically is a, they just kind of set off on this journey to rescue friends who get taken by those Bergens. And Anna Kendrick is Poppy Troll. Justin Timberlake is, uh, what's his branch? And those are like the two main characters. And there's a pretty big voice cast around it um, of tons of people that, you know, across pop culture, across pop music, across, you know, you know, McLovin, Christopher Mintz Plass is in it, Zoe Deschanel, Russell Brand, Gwen Stefani, James Corden. I mean, Ron Fuchs, like, uh, Ron Fuchs. Is it Fuchs? Funk? Funks? How do you say it? Funches. 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 He's in it, like, uh, I forget who else is. Like, it, it, Reese Darby's in it for a small role. Like, just tons of people are in this movie, and it's a huge hit, you know? So it's no doubt that this is going to be a movie that's sequelized and a whole franchise comes about afterwards. And like I said, just kind of jokingly, but seriously, like, you know, it had a really huge monster single hit that came out uh, with the first movie and Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Music um, or Can't Stop the Feeling is the name of the song. Sorry. Um, That was nominated for an Oscar. And I mean, you know, that was pretty amazing. And it was a huge hit on radio and just across the board. That movie was a huge smash. Uh, it made three hundred and forty-six point nine million on a hundred and twenty-five million budget. So yes, right. definitely a, a a success enough to to as you said become instant franchise when you think about the fact that it is a product that was in people's lives for years before they started taking this kind of IP and making big right. budget animated movies out of them. Um, but also, I want to just say to you, those things came along when I was a kid. And I think they were around from the 60s. But what happened when I was a kid was every now and then, it was the kind of thing that like your dad would get you when he was coming back from a business trip. He would have oh, like, wow. hey, look at this little <laughs> troll thing. And I remember them as like pencil toppers where you would spin the pencil in your hand. You know, you would kind of put it between your hands and spin it. And it would make the hair uh, like do something crazy. And that was kind of the premise of the dolls was that oh, you wow. would spin them so that their hair would do crazy stuff. But they existed in pretty much the same form. I mean, I looked at a picture on Wikipedia of the mm-hmm. original one. I think it's the original one. And it looks very, very similar to the ones that sort of had a resurgence, I guess, in the in the 90s or the aughts. The that 90, maybe yeah. is the current 
the current ride of this. But yeah, it's one of those weird evergreen toys. And I think when it first came out, it was a super successful toy. You know, people were were hard up for anything vaguely resembling <laughs> anything interesting back then. So right. uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to interject that. But no, it's interesting that you guys are saying that because at the time I remembered it as, oh yeah, that movie that didn't seem like to me it could be good. And then everybody who I heard that had seen it talked about how good it was. So it is a sleeper kids animated movie hit with all these pop stars in it, which is kind of a weird, weird thing. And, and you alluded earlier, Ronald, to kind of the format of the movie. It does have a weird sort of... Um, constant ongoing pop medley with a little bit of story sprinkled in sort of feel. And I, I that was at least the way World Tour was. I, it, it definitely had a lot of plot in it, but it did feel like it was it was hitting you fast and hard with as many pop songs as it could refer to or or uh, fit in there. Is that the way the first one was structured? Yeah, kind of kind of kind of a similar similar format. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the other and and I I I I would echo what Ronald said like I kind of I wanted to see the first one mainly because of like the cast and it kind of looked it kind of like looked good just like the animation kind of looked interesting. Um, but yeah, me too. Like I, I kind of felt the same way seeing it. Like I was shocked how much I like genuinely liked the movie like quite a bit. And um, yeah, I, I I really liked the first Trolls a lot, and it kind of surprised me. It came out like in the November, early November of the year. Um, what was it? 2017, 2016, and. It just really surprised me that like there was a really good animated movie in theaters that like had a hit song and audiences across the board were really liking, and that obviously is why it did so well. But I mean, yeah, like the first one is kind of like a mashup of like a story. It's just, it's just like a rescue story, um, and just you know kind of sprinkled across with all these like m- music montages and mashups of 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 just like massive pop hits. And some reimagined in different, like, kind of different structures and things like that. And um, there's a really great sequence at the end of the first one, like, with uh, True Colors, the Cindy Lauper song um, that Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick sing that, like, genuinely moved me in the theater. Like, it was really, really effective. Um, and it's, like, my favorite part of that first movie. But overall, I thought the first Trolls movie was, was really great, and I, I really enjoyed it. So how did the sequel compare for you? Steve? I want you to go, you go first. You want me to go first? Uh, I think I yes. think in general, I think in general, it's lacking a lot of the heart that the first movie had, and I think that it, you know, right from the start, for at least for me, for the movie, it seemed like it didn't have as much of a, a, a like I guess because we weren't meeting as many of the characters like we did the first time, that like I, I don't really care too much about some of the new characters, like mainly the main like villain character bar voiced by Rachel Bloom. I didn't really like, I, I don't know. I, it just didn't really, that whole arc for that story and like what she was trying to do didn't really click for me. I just felt like within the first 10, 15 minutes, it felt like a little more scatterbrained and kind of just all over the place with like, the, with the music cues and with the mashups, it felt a little more heightened. And, I think that is probably because there wasn't maybe enough of a story or enough of like something because it barely gets to what like an hour and a half and even at points it's like it's kind of stretching that timeline um i don't know i I didn't i didn't like dislike the movie like i think that you know for the audience it's it's not like a i don't think it's like a bad movie but i couldn't help but think during the movie that you know it's definitely inferior to the first film and it's kind of maybe the reason why you know, DreamWorks didn't figure something out in terms of not putting this out now and holding on to it for later because maybe they didn't 
Maybe it wasn't like the movie that would be the big hit like the first one was. I don't know. That's just my first read on just literally having just watched it. But um, I didn't really feel like any of the musical numbers really stood out to me at all um, as like special or it was interesting that, you know, uh, in a nutshell, like the story is basically this rock uh, troll is basically going across collecting these strings that represent each genre or category of music that at one time was together and then was broken apart. And when you say rock troll, let's be clear, you don't mean like a a, a mythical beast called a rock troll. You mean like a troll who plays rock music, as <laughs> yeah. opposed to our, yeah. our hero trolls who play pop music, which I don't know if in the first movie they made that distinction, but this movie yeah. starts off right away with all the kind of genre snobbery, uh, and it does, a, I, I would say, a decent parody of kind of genre snobs as far as what people say about pop music or what people say about country or rock. But um, yeah, I thought the rock part, I just wanted to follow up on what you said, Steve, about Rachel Bloom, who I do like and I think is talented. She just didn't really register with me. And I hate to say she can sing, but she does not have a good rock voice. Yeah, and so all, she's all. got this kind of like, almost like music theater, a, a decent, not great sort of belter voice. And you needed someone with more grit. I mean, I hate to say something super blatant, but they needed someone like Pink or someone like that playing that part who could really emphasize the difference between rock and pop but she ended up making to me the rock music was the weakest music in the movie yeah, yeah. and none of the music really stood out Definitely. but the rock felt almost like a self-conscious parody of rock um and maybe it's because those are the villains or whatever but it, it yeah it that part felt sort of underdeveloped to me or sort of like this is a theater person or you know a uh, person who writes music for movies idea of what rock music is or something i don't know i'm not it wasn't awful it's kind of what you said though it was watchable but it didn't i mean as someone who didn't have the affection attached to it from the first movie but definitely i had the sort of reputation of people liked it coming into this so i was right. perfectly open to watching it and perfectly into i mean right from the start there's a character i guess skrillex voices that's named troll x and he's a techno troll i mean i was ready to go with that okay sure fine let's do this <laughs> right, um, right, and the right. whole idea of the different genres and sort of the different lands broken down by genres i was like okay let's see how this goes you know it, it was mostly like talking about pop of today because otherwise their idea of like the history of music doesn't make any sense because the only jazz that shows up is 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 smooth jazz which is there to be goofed on and if you were really doing any kind of history of music that broke into these different forms jazz would be before a lot of the ones that we're talking about in this movie but i'm boring even myself with that fact uh so i'm not saying the movie should have been like a music history lesson i'm just saying that it's a cute idea that's really based around like almost what would you find on the radio today okay all of those genres that have some current radio station playing them classical um right, you know, country right, right. funk rock pop uh it, i like the idea of then what they were trying to say about how pop is kind of this monster that tries to consume <laughs> everything yeah there was something clever about that i think this movie wasn't meant necessarily for people who have uh, deep knowledge of music necessarily and was pointed towards the younger generation who was very detached from the origins of things that they listen to, consume, doing dances to things they don't know references to. Um, you know, it, I think what's what we what. The gift that we've had in the last uh, in in our lives is that at one point all of us were looking at the same things. We were all looking at the same couple channels that existed, you know, uh, live TV, 
um, you know, there were still people watching, millions of people watching the same things at the same time. And the younger generation does not have that. They don't have any context for things that have existed before their generation. And sometimes right. having a, a, a device that can tell you where things come from is kind of important for a generation that needs to know that the combination of these things are what you are consuming. That, that pop is taking these elements and bastardizing them a little bit and creating a version of it that you're listening to. The samples are coming from things. It's coming from soul. It's coming from, uh, you know, rock. It, they, they didn't really go into really the roots of rock, but that's neither here nor there. But the general idea that you should do your homework and know where things come from and understand that some things are taken from other things is a valuable lesson that kids should know that we know already that um, I think is the big takeaway from this movie. I don't think, like you were saying, Rachel Bloom. So this is that complaint that I have about celebrities just playing voices just because people are famous at the time. And sometimes that can be exhausting because, you know, there are people that are less popular, that have the range, that have the scope, that have the voice, that have the texture that could capture a character. that are way more charismatic, to be completely honest, in these roles that are being overshadowed by people that are more famous or have more credits. So that was my biggest takeaway. Um, I didn't think that, you know, the, the story was uh, as cut and dry. But the message was a lot more pointed, and I feel like it articu—it was articulated a lot better than the first one. I don't think there was a message quite as strong as the one that was presented in the second one. This felt like Schoolhouse Rock more, more than a Trolls sequel. It felt like they were like, these things are very important. You need to know the roots of these things, and this is how pop music came to be, which is, to me... So I've never had a I've never watched a movie say in un, in un, no uncertain terms that black culture has been taken. <laughs> and this movie kind of said it in a way that I have never seen in a movie ever in my life. Do you think it's a little weird that this movie manages to address that issue of the history of so popular music weird. and and what was taken from who and how it was bastardized and everything and appropriated without race being part of i mean is is it a little strange when you take something and you make a, a sort of an analogy or a metaphor <sighs> for it and you're so close because they even have a lot of uh, uh black voice actors yes, voicing yes, yes. quote unquote black genres of music I and mean, like funk and, and hip-hop and stuff so there's this weird race thing going on but it's weird that it's there but it's not there i'm not suggesting again this no, movie no, no, should no, have become that either it's just i think it's an interesting line that it tries to walk yeah, it kind of yeah. tries to use the <clears throat> culturally agreed upon idea of what pop music is which is just sort of this this amalgam of styles and whatever people are listening to and the fact that it is kind of Maybe it can be kind of ill-considered if you don't think about where things come from and who yeah. really originated this and that. You know, I don't think it's always that important to think about that when you are enjoying a song. But I think that if a movie's going to talk about music, I agree. That was the coolest part of it for me was the way that it got to that stuff about kind of turning it back on pop. Yeah. Saying, um, okay, pop, think about what you did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. But I think that that's used as a conversation piece. I don't think it's supposed to say that blatantly that, the roots of all this is taken from black culture, but it, but what it will do is spark a conversation with a kid talking to their parent like, hey, 
is it true that this stuff comes from this stuff? And then it's the parents' responsibility to kind of expand on that. Because that's a that's a grand idea, man. Stealing appropriation and all that stuff is a very grand idea that I don't think any cartoon should necessarily say blatantly, but it can be a stepping stone for a conversation. And it's weird to talk about this for a cartoon movie. I mean, I mean, you I know, know, for trolls, <laughs> for trolls. but I thought, but to be completely honest with you, that to me is what stood out about this movie. It was the first one didn't say quite as much as the second one said in a way that was so I'd leave it on the I put it on the same level as uh, the one about the animals. Uh, Zootopia. Zootopia, but yeah. Zootopia didn't address the appropriation part of it. It 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 addressed the discrimination of it, but it didn't it didn't address the appropriation the way that this did, which I thought was so dope. But in terms of just general thing, like yeah, sure, it was sloppy and it had some. I, I did not like Rachel Bloom. The, the, it's funny hearing you guys talk about her. I felt so similar that I kind of felt like you guys would agree that she's could that they could have cast someone else. So that's that's what I'll say. Yeah. But all around, it wasn't a bad movie, man. It wasn't a bad movie. I'll probably watch it again at some point. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, normally on our yeah, it was fine on our. Uh... Our, our scale, we would say wait for it, but now you don't have to because it's already out <laughs> at home. I was thinking so. about that. Our scale doesn't work anymore. I guess it sounds doesn't. like you thought about that too. I was realizing that Go Ahead still yeah. works, but wait, wait For It doesn't. Hold Up still works, but Wait For It doesn't. So maybe we need to uh, find a, a different middle ground. But this is definitely that. It's a sort of see it when you see it. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. 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 Wait, wait For It. Wait so For Go it. Ahead. See It When You See It and Hold Up. Wait for it could mean wait until it gets a little cheaper because this is we also are talking about the the theater to home model that's happening right now. The all those <laughs> movies are marked at twenty dollars right now. Wait for yeah, it might mean know. wait until yeah. it's ten. Or yeah, or among all these movies that are now coming directly to streaming or to you know to video rental on demand, just don't prioritize this over some other ones maybe that are <laughs> that are better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I liked the animation. I liked the yeah, the, the, the animation texture is great. and the look and the look of the world. And I thought yeah. that there was a lot of care taken in making everything look like it had that kind of felt texture and like you were zooming in on something miniature that has this like almost like puffiness to it. This I felt like uh, that it you know reminiscent of the Lego Movie and the pleasure yeah. you take of looking at how they make it all work. And even though I did not see Trolls, so I can't say the same thing you guys said. But everything you said comparing Trolls World Tour to trolls sounded like what i would say about lego movie 2 which i did like but they they used it's like a lot of the same elements mixed together in a way that just didn't yeah didn't create the same magic definitely, but definitely. I, I mean i'm not knocking lego movie 2 as a bad movie but it definitely didn't you know and i think maybe there was some shifting in the creative team there was something going on that made it not as focused of a of a movie in in its attempt to kind of try to redo structurally what the first movie did which i don't know if that's ever a smart idea for a sequel to just try to you know do the do the first one but more i don't right, know if that's right. ever that smart yeah that's a good comparison actually the, the lego to lego movie 2 i, I kind of feel pretty similarly like with this in the original trolls i laughed at keenan thompson as tiny diamond <laughs> yes that, that pretty much every part he was in made me laugh so uh there you go. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of little side character voice char- like voice acting and and casting is great. Like, I really like the scene like when they go to like the country town, and like and Kelly Clarkson sings her sad song and and Branch is like, 
it's so sad, but I kind of like it. And, you know, like there's like this relatability to these sad songs. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was really fun. Poppy then says something funny. She says, um, do they not know that music is supposed to make you happy? Like right, she feels right, bad right. for them that they don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's got I, some, that was I mean, there cool. are some good moments in it for sure. No, and that's what I was saying earlier about liking the way that they, they it's almost like the obvious jokes, but they yeah. get in all the little jabs at the different genres. So that that's a collective, we're going to still say a collective wait for it, or, or are we going to, we're, we're going to go with I that? I think it's a wait for it. I think it's a see it, it's a see it I, when you see it, right. Yeah. I like the movie. I just don't think that the $20 price point right now is, I mean, it, it is a fun movie, man, but $20 right now. In the midst of everything that's happening, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. <laughs> but don't you just want to be happy for an hour and a half? Yeah, <laughs> no. But in that way, in that way, if if enough people are fans, um, you punch a kid in the stomach, you take his uh, the five dollar allowance, and you put that towards a movie. You watch it, watch it from day one. There you go. Solved it. So what what else are what else are we doing here? Like what what else are we watching? We're gonna talk about some. I guess other things that we're watching to kind of get through now that we've already watched Trolls. What else? Uh, what yeah. Else are we, so are uh, we going to do a, to keep our sanity and that, that we're? Are we doing a round robin style? <sighs> yeah, yeah, let's I do get, an old fashioned round robin. I, I guess, conversation. Yeah. Are we just? Are we doing like? Are we just picking the most, or are we doing three? What do, What are you guys ready to, for to, to I, do? Like whatever. I, three. Three's cool with me. Three's cool with me. Okay. Three's a good number. All right. All right. Who wants to jump in first? You go first. You're talking. Okay, I'm talking. This is Steve. The first, the, the first, the, 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 the first. Those are apparently the rules. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So uh, the first, the first show that Aaron and I have been um, in love with, and we finally caught up, and we kind of binged it all, like literally in a night, was uh, the new. I guess it's called. I don't know if it's FX or FX on Hulu or where it falls in the place, mm-hmm. but the the Dave Bird Little Dicky series called Dave. You, um, you bastard! Yes. That's one of mine. Like it is. It, it is, is so amazing. good. And I don't. I mean, I I know a very small amount about Dave Bird or about the artist that he's known by as Little Dicky, and I've seen his videos. You know. Freaky Friday and the Earth Day video and some of the other videos he's had out, but I don't, I didn't go into this knowing really anything about him. But mm-hmm. um, and Aaron knew even less. I mean, I just literally put this on one night after we finished watching another television show. Like, hey, it's just let, let, like watch one episode with me. It's they're like twenty some minutes, and uh, she fell in love with it. And I mean, it's so good. It's like a weird, it's like a weird mix of like a curb your enthusiasm meets like i don't even know like it's got it's like that kind of show where like it's just he's going through life and the people that he meets and and, you know he's kind of neurotic and he's like this he's like got this destiny to be like one of the greatest rappers ever and and it's just all the people he meets and comes across and his friends and his and his family are just so fucking funny and it's just so it's such a warm-hearted show even among being super like (laughs) explicit and and like dirty about certain things and like you know which i find hilarious and it's just great man i don't know if you guys i know you obviously have watched it ron i don't know if you've seen it yet john not but, yet um it's it's great man i fucking love this show yes steve i i couldn't agree with you more man like it's it is so tonally i think atlanta if you if, if you if you want something that's close to it in terms of tone 
I, I think Atlanta in terms of like how random the humor is, but it's its own thing. Uh, um, there was an episode that came on uh, the week before last that made me cry. I mean, like it's it's one of those shows that has a range of emotions that, that just the it's done episode? so. Oh man, yes, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah, I cried, man. Like I cried hard, and oh, I think yeah, it's just because like there's just an honesty in the show that Dave is trying to convey that a lot of artists just don't necessarily um, express because there's a compromise that you have to go through to make your art work. And, you know, at some point, there's a crossroads that you face where you're like, what do I have to do to get to the point where I want to be? Right. And that show kind of addresses it in so many different ways that yeah. it's it's really cool, man. I think I think that's probably the other half of the the comparison. I was like, maybe maybe some Curb mixed with some Atlanta. I think is probably yeah how I, I, yeah I feel Curb and Atlanta. About this show is a pretty good description. But I would yeah, it's highly recommended. It I like I said, we call we listened or I mean listened, we watched. Um, I guess it was like I guess there were six episodes up up through like mm. last Thursday or Friday, um, and we watched them like basically all in one night and uh, on Hulu and just. Yeah, like, oh man, we need more. It's like, it's so, it's so good. That's kind of amazing. What do you guys got, John? What do you got? I guess I'll be Mister Obvious, and I'll be Mister. Uh, talked about this before, but um, call Saul. I used to have a Better Call Saul. <laughs> I used to have a podcast <laughs> called Saul Searching, where I got to talk about this show week to week, and haven't been able to do that show this season. And it has been one of the best seasons yet of the show, um, or of of any show imaginable, as far as my viewing tastes are concerned. Because yeah. it's paying off things that we thought were going to happen. Like, so much of what this season five of Better Call Saul has been is what you thought the show was going to be from season one. Right. And the right. fact that they got there, and they got there with such confidence, and that every character decision on that show has all this weight behind it. Because you've seen so many nuanced turns of the story. And, you know, every character now, every major character that we're dealing with has so much complexity to them. And the acting is so good and the editing is so good and the writing is so good and the music is so good and the and the cinematography is so good. I mean, it's a cliche to say this is one of the best made shows on television, but the reason it's so good is because it's so rooted in character. And it's it's almost like a, a, a bad way to tell a story for these guys to be so obsessed with process, to be like, right. well, if we showed how this happened, then we have to show how this happened. And we have to show painstakingly at the same pace. We can't suddenly rush. We have to keep going at the same pace, inching towards this person's transformation, which is what they kind of did on Breaking Bad. Um, but this story is not as clear. And I think what's happened in the last few episodes, and I guess if you guys have been watching the show, I'd love to hear what you think, is that um, you've been seeing all along, like we thought we knew what Saul Goodman meant, that it was this flashy, uh, fast-talking, uh, weaselly, but smart lawyer, you know? And what what they've gotten to in the last few episodes of the show is the fact that maybe it's also this kind of uh, secret identity for for Jimmy Miguel, played by Bob Odenkirk, where he, it's like, it makes him stronger. It makes him tougher. It makes him braver. He, the most recent episode, he's 
practically transformed at the end of it into a much more hardened person than we knew before. So I just think there's so much going on that's really sophisticated on the, on like the atomic level of what this show does with character and motivation. And that's not even saying anything yet about Ray Seahorn, who plays Kim, who is really emerging in many ways as kind of the heart of the show, if not the hero of the show. Um, what do you guys think if you've been watching it? I haven't watched this season, unfortunately. Steve, you've been watching it? Yeah, I, I would just agree with everything John said. It's, it's, this last episode is like has was like one of the best episodes of the series i think um just because of what he was describing and watching how uh saw kind of basically changes in in this one episode but yeah i just think the show is is so tight and so uh, it's just like the acting is incredible odenkirk's great racy horn yeah she's like steals the show in some way she's amazing as uh kim wexler but yeah, this this season has been amazing, and it, I didn't mention it because I knew John would, but it's uh, <clears throat> it's just it's just crazy that like this show. I, I guess it's been said so many times that like this prequel series about a side character in Breaking Bad ha- is just this good, and it's gotten to a point now where like it's ramping up to like you know these storylines and these characters and environments, and you're seeing faces that you know from Breaking Bad, and it's like oh fuck, it's about to. It's about to it's about to hit the fan in some ways, and and you and you start to get really worried about what's going to happen to certain characters that we don't see in Breaking Bad and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's just the season's been amazing, and yeah, week to week, it's like one of those shows now where you're just like, I, I want that episode now. I need to see more of it. You find yourself rooting for terrible people uh, when you watch prestige dramas. That's just a thing. <laughs> but I do think that Better Call Saul does give you the tantalizing glimpse of people who are trying to be good people. And uh, Kim is a great person who tries to do right. And uh, Jimmy is also has it in him to try to do right by people. So to see that get corrupted into this anything for a buck, maybe uh, guy, um, we were expecting. But yeah, the transformation on the newest episode, Steve, is it's like something out of the Bible. A guy kind of wanders into the desert and, yeah. and comes out changed, you know? Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what they do with the last two episodes of the season to kind of... They always end up leaving you at a point where you have a lot to chew on. So it's not like the show moves through a whole lot of plot in a season, but um, this season has moved faster than any of the others. So good stuff. Yeah, you need to watch it, Ronald. We need to, you know, then we'll have a, a longer talk maybe. Closer to the end of the show. I'm pretty excited about starting it up. I mean, I, I have I have the time now, so I'll, I'll give it a watch, definitely. Cool. Um, so my pick is Comedy Central's Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Man. Uh, Aquafina, I knew her as a rapper um, in the New York rap scene uh, a couple years before she kind of broke into acting. Uh Comedy Central picked up this comedy. Think like if Broad City uh, didn't concentrate on New York so much and really made it a very a lot more specific of a show. I mean, Broad City super specific, but this is a really cool slice of life sort of show about uh, Aquafina, whose real name is Nora, um, and her life with her grandma and. Uh, played by Lori Tan Chin and uh, B.D. Wong, who is uh, White Rose and uh, Mr. Robot, and Bowen Yang, who is the uh, first uh, Asian-American cast member on SNL, who is fucking... I see zeros and ones when this man is on the show. He's, like, doing this comedy that is so, like... He's a really good character. It's a, it's a funny <laughs> show. She gets into crazy adventures, and she has... 
one of the most distinct voices I've ever heard in my life. And I do really like people that have unique looks and feels and she's not going for anything sexy, but something about her is kind of attractive. You know, like she she has a thing about her and I think it works for her. And I, I think she's a really cool voice. And in the new generation of actresses and actors that are kind of coming along and seeing Bowen Yang and her working together is magical, man. I I suggest it for anybody that wants to see a comedy, something light. uh, You can kind of leave leave from it feeling really good. And it has some cool messages about identity and stuff in there, too. So it's cool. I've been meaning to check that one out, too. What platform is that on, Ronald? Comedy Central. Um, oh, Comedy so, Central. You know, okay. if you, yeah. So if you have, um, you know, any of the major cable networks, you should be able to, should be able to, if you have Comcast or Verizon, that's a part of the basic package. You should be able to watch it on any of the streaming boxes or something like that. So, Steve, it's your turn. Yeah, yeah. My next pick is uh, the other new hotness that's currently on Netflix. That's not called Tiger King. Which is uh, their third season of their original series, Ozark. Um, gotcha. Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, um, Julia Garner plays Ruth Lamore. Just, I, I love this show. I think it's one of Netflix's best original sh- shows that they have going. Uh, like, you know, among, I don't know, I guess I put up there, like, you know, I love Stranger Things. I love, uh, what else? It's been ongoing, like Narcos and Ozark. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I just love this world that they've built of like just this family getting deeper and deeper into like the is working for like a drug cartel and laundering money, you know, in 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 the Ozarks and in, in what is is in Missouri. Um and just the the way the season builds on like the family unit um and and kind of how they're there for one another and and the family that they've made there, you know, like if you've seen seasons of Ozark, you know, like the, I don't know if you have or have not, but there's a big, you know, presence of a character, Ruth Ruth Langmore, who's played by Julia Garner, who I believe has been maybe nominated for Emmys for this show, just as Jason Bateman has. Um, but just, it's interesting to see like what happens. She better be. Yeah, right. She's amazing. And... Um, you know, just like what that character and what her relationship is with with Marty Bird and and Wendy Bird, and kind of where that goes this season, and kind of how the story arc of what I don't know if they have this planned as four or five seasons or what their long game is for this, but I really like how this season kind of came to an end and sets up whatever is going to be happening next for uh, these characters because it kind of blows the story wide open in terms of how big this show can get now that we are kind of like operating in and outside of just the Ozarks. Um, a couple shocking moments in the season, you know, big moments that, you know, kind of the show become has gotten like a, a bit of a reputation for. But um, I just wanted to kind of like point out there's a, there's a new actor on the show this season um, who I'm not really familiar with, but his, his name is Tom Pelfrey, who most people would either know from Iron Fist, Iron Fist or Banshee. Um, but he plays um, he plays Ben Davis, who is uh, Larlini's brother in the show, um, and I just thought like amongst great performances across the board, Bateman, Linney, um, Julia Garner, I just felt this guy came into the you know into the series in in season three and just kind of like completely shook it up. 
made me care about a character that I'd never met before. And, um, you know, just his arc with what his character is dealing with, you know, he kind of comes in with some baggage and, and that's kind of something that gets navigated through the season and where he ends up at the end of the season and, and what that means for the family, you know, as it goes, as the show goes on, it's just like, it's really heavy and it's really deep and it's really interesting. And, and his performance I thought was just, uh, just amazing. And like both Aaron and I, another show that we binged, you know, over the course of a couple of days, once it dropped a few weeks ago, um, but the character of Ben in this season is just, I, I just fell in love with his character and I felt for him and I had nothing but love for him. And just like, you know, watching him go through the season and interacting with his sister and, and her family was just wild. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really do love this show and I think it's one of the best originals on Netflix and what Jason Bateman is doing as a producer, as a director, as a star of the show. He directed a few of the episodes, um, it's just it's just awesome and you know i really love what this show is and and i'm really excited to see where the show goes from here he's directed a lot of them i'm i'm halfway into the second season and i'm piggybacking and uh because that was one of my picks as well i'm kind of keeping okay. with the oh, okay cool white collar crime i guess <laughs> yeah i i said before about these characters who are doing awful things and yet you're rooting for them to succeed against other people who you perceive as slightly more awful than them um, uh, Ozark makes me th- think about that all the time, right. but it's the acting and it's the kind of storytelling. Sometimes you don't really know what a show is or what makes it unique or, or what sets it apart from other things of its type. Right. And there is something very specific going on with this show that I have a hard time putting my finger on at having seen uh, 15 of 30 available episodes. I love having a show this good to binge because it's the kind of show where if you can stay up, you do want to watch another one. Um, but it's also nice knowing I have that much more to kind of power through. Uh, I think it's interesting to see Jason Bateman play this character who's kind of impenetrable. Like, I spend half the time watching him going, I want him to show a little emotion or have a warm moment with, some, with somebody or see a little bit behind the facade. And that's such an interesting choice for him. And I guess that yeah. is his comic energy. But but when it's not in a comedy, it's it, occasionally he has a line delivery that is, is a sarcastic aside that is like, oh, that's kind of like Arrested Development or something he would do, <laughs> he would have said in game night, you know? Right, right. But most of the time he's doing this sort of tamped down version of that energy. And that must be very conscious uh, or something very, you know, a very deliberate choice for him as an actor. Um, but it's just interesting to see that, to see someone who, who I thought I knew all his moves and he's doing something different here. But I do, I do relish those moments when he, um, you know, when he gets emotional and, uh, I don't know if you remember the scene, Steve, surely you do on the outsider, uh, in like the second episode of the, of the season of out the outsider where Jason Bateman had a, a very emotional monologue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And has this, this, all this humanity and this warmth and this sadness that you don't ever really see this character Marty Bird on on Ozark display. But there are hints of it, and I guess maybe over, maybe I, I'm going to see some of that soon. But it it makes oh. the emotional heft of the show shift much more over to Laura Linney, who I just love and always have, and I love seeing her. Man, she 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 always plays like this is a real smart cookie of a character, you know, uh, yeah. and she plays that kind of smart person. She just plays that intelligence really well, and she's always she sees angles that her husband doesn't really see. He's kind of got his nose in the books, 
and she's out there hustling to make stuff happen. And I love how much it's her show too. I didn't really expect that. Um, and even the kids, and I'm normally, I don't really like kid characters because they just are there to get in the way and make dumb decisions and, and screw things up. But these kids at least are real characters and, and having them be sort of directly involved <laughs> with the, the, the family criminal enterprise gives the show an almost, uh, an almost a, a dark comedy hook of saying, this is the money laundering operation that is a whole family, you know, <laughs> um, it's almost a sitcom in that way, but no, I, I, I'm really enjoying it. And it is, it is something different, uh, than, than you've seen before, even though in, in the broad strokes, it might remind you of a lot of shows you've seen before. Um, and yeah, I'll just say again, Julia Garner is amazing, uh, as, as Ruth on this show, the way that she kind of emerges and instantly she's got a lot more going on just in terms of story than, than most of the other characters. She's, she's in an interesting spot. So you've got a lot to look forward to John. And I'm, I'm anxious to talk to you once you get through the current season and like, uh, just the last four episodes. So, so of this season, Bateman, I think directs the first two and then, um, the last, and then I think somebody directs the next two, and then the last four are directed by the same person. But the last four episodes are just like they just escalate so perfectly, and it's just, it's just like this crescendo is so well managed in the season, um, where you usually kind of get through that penultimate episode, and, and the big thing happens, and then you have that last episode, the season finale, that kind of like gives you what 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 you're looking forward to. But even in there, there's like a really masterful crescendo that just is handled so well. And the season just ends on like quite a jaw drop moment, and you're like, "What the fuck is going to happen next?" And you're just you're just ready for it immediately. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely loving Ozarks and Ozark, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can talk about it when you catch up on it. I did hear that they're planning to do five seasons. By the way, oh, nice. Okay, okay. So they had apparently they have a plan. That doesn't mean they won't do more, but you know, I guess there's a story that's supposed to take place over over five seasons. Uh, it's always nice to think that they have a plan. R- Ronald, you, you didn't watch season two of the show? You didn't watch season two. Um, yeah, I heard that season two uh, was a little better. I, I, I'm, I had, it didn't draw me in. Um, and I want to give season two a try into season three. And I think that I I have time now. I keep saying that, but I have time now. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to give it a try. Um, and I couldn't find any season summaries. Normally what I'll do is I'll find like a season summary to get familiar with the, the, the previous season to get into the new one. But I couldn't I couldn't find a one that I felt like was there's this Game of Thrones one that I used to watch. that was kind of amazing. That was a perfect guide for like if I missed anything or something. I haven't quite found something quite as informative as this one. Right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. Cool. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, uh, shit. Um, so my pick is Hulu's High Fidelity. Um, if you have not seen it yet, it is a TV version uh, of the movie that came out in the late 90s. Um, there have been some changes made. Uh, the main character is now played by a woman. It is... Uh, Zoe Kravitz, one of the greatest people I've ever seen in, in my life. Um, but not nah, all jokes aside, beside, beside her being incredibly beautiful, she's a, a great actress. This show has a cool take on the original movie. If you haven't seen High Fidelity, please check it out. Rob Gordon's one of my favorite movie characters uh, of the late 90s. Um, it's a cool ass show that really pays homage to the show. 
the original um, to the original movie, but also does some very different things. And this character, Rob, going back and evaluating why she is where she is based on people she's dated is done in a way that I have seen done before in a lot of rom-coms. But there's a lot more accountability and some cool things come about in it. And I, I'm just a big fan of it and all the supporting characters. So that's, that's that is one of my picks. Um, so I kind of was going back and forth uh, on what my last one would be, but I kind of, I kind of want to, this is a, this may be a cheap option, but I'm going to just say it and you guys can just, you know me, like uh, it's a safe space, but I've been following some of these, uh, I don't know if you've seen these on Twitter, like the, the, the watch parties that they're doing for, um, like the MCU movies. So there's, no. um, so there's, there's a, let me see what is, uh, I think his name is Brandon Davis, but he basically, um, he works for, I think comic book. Well, let me, let me look up his, his, uh, handle real quick. Hang on a second. Yeah. Brandon Davis with comicbook.com. You know, so there's been, it's, it's happening on many platforms, obviously, like, you know, some of these digital releases that are coming out, uh, on VOD for rental, like Invisible Man, they did one, and The Hunt, they did one, like where they're basically doing like a quarantine watch party where like everybody kind of starts the movie at 9 p.m. or whatever, uh, whatever time that they've agreed on. And they kind of are, they're kind of moderating or they have a filmmaker or actor or cast member, producer, somebody's involved um, with. You know this watch party. Like I followed one when they did one with like the Invisible Man with Lee Wanell. So just in general, I think like this 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 Twitter watch party thing that's happening, like this quarantine watch party, has been pretty cool. And I've and I've followed a number of them. Some of them all the way through. Some of them just hopped in and out, like listening or, and watching what was trending on Twitter. But um, again, I did I did follow one for the Invisible Man that Lee Wanell was participating in, the director of that film. Um, and then I know they did one for the hunt Blumhouse did one for that as well, but the, this guy, Brandon Davis on Twitter, um, he again writes for comicbook.com. He's does a bunch of like junk and interviews with uh, a lot of genre comic book, IP star Wars, like all kinds of, you know, pop culture stuff. Um, he's at Brandon Davis BD on Twitter, but basically he kind of started his own thing over the last like couple last week or two where he, has been like organizing on the fly over Twitter these watch parties with fans, but he's like tagging in or you know trying to get filmmakers to participate. And so he last week he did one with Scott Derrickson for Doctor Strange, which I watched and kind of followed along with. And then they're doing one. Um, they did one this week with Guard for Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn, and it, it's really cool to watch it happen because like he's literally just throwing it out there to to his followers, to people that you know interact with him on Twitter, and tagging you know a filmmaker and being like, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And like you know, I guess the state that we're in, and you know, they're, maybe they're not as busy as they normally are, but it's been pretty cool to see like you know people like Scott Derrickson or, or in this case this week James Gunn kind of come on board and like James Gunn brought his brother Sean on and like they you know they all they, they kind of like jump in and James is like tagging in the actors from the movie and they're participating and it's kind of just like a cool thing to see 
you know, a community that, that, that loves these movies, like watch a movie, like, hey, we're going to all push play at nine o'clock and watch a movie. And, you know, the filmmaker is going to basically like live tweet or you can ask questions or they're going to throw out little tidbits about the movie here and there, almost like a Twitter based commentary track that you can kind of direct or participate in. And it's been pretty cool. Um, there was another one a couple weeks ago. I didn't do this one, but I saw it trending that Zack Snyder did one for the Batman vs. Superman um, Ultimate Cut or Director's Cut, whatever the name of it was, um, where he kind of did it on hit that video streaming platform that he is always on. Um, I don't think it was on Twitter, but it's just been a really cool, different thing. And I mean... I I like the idea like I, I've always loved commentary tracks and I've, I've this idea of like a filmmaker like literally at the same time that I'm watching it he, he or she or they are watching it and they're like participating with people that are doing that at the same time and it's kind of been cool to watch these different channels these different like you know Twitter personalities or journalists like kind of get this stuff together over over Twitter over over the course of this quarantine that we've been going through Um but yeah, I don't know. It's been really cool. And, you know, I'm kind of curious what the next one's going to be or what they're going to be able to accomplish with some of these movies. Um, you know, the MCU has been what they've been really focusing on. Like if they're going to try to do a Spider-Man one or an Avengers one or, or whatever. But it just got me like re- re- reinvigorated to like watch some of these MCU movies and just like go back and remember how much I love these movies. Like specifically Guardians. Like it was amazing to watch that and like to participate in that kind of like a live thing with the filmmaker, which was, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. And it's kind of evolving. So it's like it, who, who they're getting to participate in these things on the fly is it's just wild. And it's just like because of Twitter, I guess, you know, it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. That's a cool way to weather this storm and to still give some sense of an event, uh, to, to movie going, whatever that means anymore, movie watching, movie attending. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like, it's a little, it's a little unfiltered, you know what I mean? Like a lot of things that come packaged in commentary tracks, some of them are a little more interesting than others, but I think just just like you know, in the in the environment that we're in, you know, you, you can get pieces like things come out during this. Nothing like that's like a bombshell, but it's just kind of cool to see like an unfiltered thing or to, like I said, a pseudo self-directed commentary track where people can like you know ask questions with the hashtag and and possibly interact with a filmmaker you know while the movie's playing. It's just it's it's a really interesting model and. Um, and most of all, I just think it's really cool that you like you see the filmmakers that are like just down to talk about movies. And I like seeing like these people that, you know, I love James Gunn and like I love most of the movies that he's done. And just he's a really interesting filmmaker and, and what he was able to do with the MCU and even with him playing in the DC pond now. It's just like it's just cool to see like people talk up and just like be like, yeah, let's let's talk about this movie I made five or six years ago or whatever it was. And. If you have questions, let me know. It's just a really cool model uh, on, on one of the biggest social media platforms out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, I guess that makes it my turn. Uh, the, a movie that I saw through an interesting thing that Alamo cinemas are doing around the country is they're sort of taking movies that I guess would be screening in their theaters, which are all closed right now, and you can buy, it's called Alamo at Home, I think. But if you go to their site, you can get to it through one of the links at the top and it's movies you can buy a virtual ticket for and then watch them online. And I saw 
uh, Extraordinary, the Irish comedy starring Will Forte and I think her name is Maeve Higgins, hmm. um, an, an Irish comedian. And it is kind of a, fits in with sort of the Frighteners, Ghostbusters, um, you know, uh, Shaun of the Dead style of low-key slice-of-life humor mixed in with crazy supernatural stuff. It's, it's, it's a, I mean, I would not want to spoil the plot too much. I think anything you read about it is going to say something about the nature of the characters. But let's just say it's a character who is, has got psychic gifts, and she could be sort of a, an exorcist slash ghost hunter type person, but she doesn't want to be because the last time she did that, she accidentally killed someone. And so she's trying not to get back into it, but someone needs her to help. And in order to do it, she needs that person to become her partner, which puts that person again in the spot of the person who might die if she screws up again. So like, there's this, there's this story that unfurls about who that is in her past and, and, and what happened that has made her so afraid to sort of practice her gifts. But beyond that, you have Will Forte as as a fading one-hit wonder pop star who has moved to Ireland um, because it's cheaper. The property values are cheaper there, you know, basically. And he lives in a castle with his with his wife, played by uh, Claudia O'Doherty. Uh, she's a comedian who's been a lot on Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, and I, I guess the TV show, too. But um, she's very funny. But anyway, they're like the worst people that you've ever seen. And he's like a, a pop star who's made a deal with the devil trying to get a hit, you know, trying to engineer his comeback. And he's the villain. And it's sort of how these characters cross over. This this woman who's the sort of reluctant exorcist and um, and the evil pop star. And it's got, you know, it's an Irish spin on what you might call British humor. I'm not going to say it's British because it's not, but there's so many jokes in it and there's so many laughs. Right up to the last moment, there are great gags. So even when you're thinking, as often comedies, even at 90 minutes, can kind of be pushing it. Yeah. uh, It's got enough going on to sort of recommend it uh, beyond that. And I was really charmed by it. And the writer and director, it's a team, Michael Ahern and Inda Lotham, I think would be the way to pronounce those names. They are a, you know, they're the writers and directors of it. So um, it's, you know, interesting. The storyline is played straight. You know, the evil, the menace is real and people die, but uh, it's all about the jokes. So a really, really <laughs> yeah. charming movie. I want to see cool. this. Yeah, I got to find, I got to check this out. Yeah, man. I, I, you got me, you got me game. interested. Um, cool. So I guess I'm the last pick. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, bring it home. What do you got? All right. So mine is actually not one thing. It is a service that is free temporarily that I think you guys should get into if you don't have it already. And that is the HBO Now and Go free preview that they're giving in the wake of everything going on. So HBO decided uh, last Friday that they were just going to open up the library of a couple of movies some of their tv series to everybody so that they have something to do in the wake of everything happening and uh some of the greatest hbo shows sopranos six feet under succession true blood veep the wires on there their original documentary about elizabeth holmes the inventor out for blood in silicon valley mcmillions which is a brand new series that they just finished the case against Adnan Saeed, HBO is giving this to everybody for free right now. And if you have a device that can run HBO Go, that can run um, HBO Now, or you have a web browser, you can turn it on right now and you have no excuse for not have seeing 
not have seen uh, The Wire or Sopranos. So that's my pick. And I think this is one of the coolest things that a service could do uh, right now. And I commend, I commend HBO. HBO has finally accepted that they are a public utility and that they should just be free piping <laughs> their classic content into people's homes. <laughs> You're absolutely right, man. Now, anybody with deep pockets right now should be trying some move like that, because it yeah. is true <clears throat> that there are people... I saw somebody who I almost couldn't believe had never seen Sopranos before, a friend of mine online that posted, all right, here we go, finally, Sopranos. And I was like, oh, wow, so he's got a great time ahead of him, you know, and that's something you do for free now. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, man. It's... Uh... It's pretty cool. So, yeah, check that out. HBO Go, HBO Now. It's going to be going till the end of April. So you got plenty of time to at least watch one of the series or a couple of the documentaries. HBO's doing it. Did you guys watch McMillions? I, I, I was, that was one of the ones we kind of binged a few weeks ago that was pretty awesome. Three episodes in, and it is one of the most absurd. Some of the characters involved are so ridiculous. I'm really int- <laughs> Like the cop, Doug. man. <laughs> Yeah, Doug. <laughs> what is he? he? I can't. I can't wait to see the uh, the 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 feature film based or the series based on this story. I'm sure. I actually think like it's either Mark Wahlberg. I think Mark Wahlberg produced this series, but I think it might be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have the rights to 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 the movie. Oh my like God. They're, they're making a serious? movie about it or something. Yeah, oh. well, one of the one of those Boston power. Power players, either Wahlberg or the uh, Affleck Damon duo, one of them has the rights to it, and I think they're yeah. making a movie about it. But I can't How wait can to so- see who they cast as Doug. No, I do think it's interesting that so many people talk about him coming out of that show. That you know that he really is so delighted with himself. <laughs> There's is, so much man. of that. Yeah, he's a fun character. Does that round us off? I think that's it, man. I think that's it. That is it? Plenty of options to see. Plenty of streaming platforms. Yeah, like take your pick. There's a lot of stuff out there right now, man. It's like a couple on Netflix, a couple on Hulu. You got some HBO freeness. You got some what else? We got Comedy Central, Alamo. Lots of options. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta catch up on a lot of these Hulu shows. That's been like my my challenge to myself. Like Dave, outstanding. I loved it. Started watching Breeders. I'm really liking that too. I gotta watch Dev. I keep hearing that Dev really is good. incredible. Yeah, I got. I gotta. I, I'm carving out time to to watch all them. And then my other challenge is that I want to finally watch Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Ah. I've never watched that, and I've heard really good things about that too. And I love a lot of the people in that. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get on that too. Hopefully during this at home experience that we're all going through. So that's it. Episode two fifty. Some options. One of them may be Trolls World Tour, although we're saying kind of hold up, maybe see it, maybe after you watch some of the other shows we recommended that are definitely better. Um, but Facebook.com slash MovieSchmovie, MovieSchmovie.com, or MovieSchmovie at gmail.com, however you want to hit us up if you have ideas. For episodes to come, now that we're kind of rolling in this weekly uh, 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 pattern, this weekly um, streak, uh, that we got going on here. Maybe we can do some ideas if you guys have any. Uh, or just tell us what you've been watching since you've been home. Like what movies, what shows, what anything have you been loving since you've been home with time on your hands? Yeah, we almost did a topic this week and then realized after we all agreed to it that we've done it before. So we're out of ideas officially. So <laughs> yeah. yes, give us topics so and give us some to, ideas. 
we need you to help us do the show. Basically, tell us what to talk about. Um, that'd be good. We need your life force. Yes. Send it this way, please. Absolutely. <laughs> but if you guys are good, I think that'll wrap it up, and uh, we'll see you guys in a week. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.